Hi everyone, I'm Angie Day, DBFA's Chapter and Volunteer Services Director. In our podcast today, we'll be talking about the Child Network, an initiative between the Bipolar Collaborative Network and John Hopkins University School of Medicine, which is a new study to collect data for the treatment of child mood disorders. For this topic, we're very happy to be joined by Dr. Robert Post, a clinical professor of psychiatry at the George Washington University School of Medicine. He is the founder of the Bipolar Collaborative Network. Thank you so much for joining us today, Robert. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation. Um, in addition to uh, the, the credentials that were mentioned, I just wanted to mention to people up front that I write a newsletter that's available um, about six times a year it's called BipolarNews.org, and uh, it has all the latest information about the treatment of depression and bipolar that uh, people uh, might be interested in. And if they go to that newsletter and click on Child Network, they can also get the informed consent statement about the project we're talking about today. But thanks very much for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Absolutely, and thank you so much for being here. I'd love to learn more about the Child Network. Could you maybe start by telling us about who initiated the project? Yeah, I, I initiated it because uh, of several reasons. One is that there seems to be a particularly high incidence of childhood onset bipolar disorder in the U.S. and many other illnesses as well. And often uh, these illnesses are not recognized or uh, treated in an early fashion. And childhood onset illness uh, runs a more difficult course than adult onset illness, and part of that may be related to delay in treatment. So I wanted to have a vehicle for parents to track their child's illness and then they have the ability to print out the weekly ratings and bring them to a clinician or a physician and talk about what treatment uh, might be most helpful. Uh, so it was an, an effort to um, help parents um, identify and, if needed, uh, get their child uh, treated for psychiatric illness. Great, and so would you say that is why this particular project is so important? Yeah, uh, definitely, um, because the longer the treatment delay, uh, that has an independent risk factor for uh, our patients having a, a more difficult depressive outcome in adulthood. So the idea is to really try to get after the illness well and early. The other thing is that it's much easier to monitor illness with, say, diabetes and blood sugar or uh, blood pressure uh, if there are numbers to it. And this allows parents to very quickly on a once-a-week basis rate their child's anxiety, depression, ADHD, oppositional behavior, and mania. And then as they do that on an ongoing basis, they can print out 
that graphically and bring it to a doctor. So it's uh, it, we tried to add in a sort of graphic or numerical characteristic because many of these illnesses are quite fluctuating, and if you can bring to a doctor the course of the illness, it's a lot more easy to interpret. Sure, and it sounds like you're going to be collect, collecting a lot of data. What do you hope to learn from all this information? Yeah, well, it has a double uh, prong to it. One is to, as I mentioned, to help parents um, bring this information uh, to clinicians about either psychosocial or pharmacological treatment. The other is for us to begin to get some view about how these treat how these illnesses are actually being treated in the community, uh, particularly with bipolar illness, there's very little um, FDA approved um, information. Uh, no FDA approved drugs for under a child under 10 years at all, 10 years of age, except for ADHD. So many of these children are getting treated with stimulants and more stimulants, and what they need is mood stabilizers and atypicals first, and then stimulants for any residual ADHD. So we're, we're attempting to get the information about how not only bipolar illness is being treated in the community, but other very common illnesses and it turns out that um, depression, anxiety, ADHD, and oppositional behavior are more common in, in children than even bipolar disorder. So this would give them a vehicle to um, for the parents to be able to chart it, but also give us some understanding of, about how these children are being treated with the hope that we can then identify gaps and help propel more treatment research studies so that people have better information about how to deal with this in the best way possible. Sure, sure. And so who ultimately will be affected by the results of this study? Um, well, we're hoping that it sort of helps everyone, helps the parents, helps uh, the general uh, literature, because we're going to be writing these data up and publishing them not only in scientific journals, but also in our newsletter. So it'll give people a feel for uh, how things are, are going and progressing. And then, as I said, our hope is to then influence uh, the research community and the NIMH to increase the treatment research uh, for these childhood onset illnesses. There's quite a deficit. Uh, very few studies have been funded in the last decade about treatment research for children, and we're hoping that um, our, our network will help facilitate more research and treatment outcome improvement. Wonderful. Wonderful. So how, how is the study um, actually collecting the data? How does that work? Yeah, well, 
if people go to the website, bipolarnews.org, and click on Child Network, they'll get an informed consent statement, which is a little too long, I must admit, about 10 minutes to get through it. But if you can weather that, uh, if the parent can weather that, then there's a uh, demographics form that takes about 15 minutes, and then a uh, detailed checklist that takes about 15 minutes. But then the crux of, of the program is that we email these ratings uh, to parents every Sunday night for the ratings of um, mild, moderate, severe, again, anxiety, depression, ADHD, oppositional behavior, and mania. So those, those data, the longitudinal data, are, are the important uh, part of, of the study. We're hoping then to identify which treatments seem to be working best in which children and which ones are being tolerated uh, the best. Sure. So for families that choose to participate, what does that participation look like for parents or the children? Yeah, it's it's a non-issue for the children themselves, but if the parent has a child uh, aged uh, 2 to 12 with either minimal symptoms or quite substantial problems, uh, we're willing to take anybody in and then do the longitudinal ratings. So up front, there's a little bit of an extra burden on the parents uh, to fill out these two longer forms initially at network entry, but then the weekly ratings only take two to three minutes um, to do. So it's it's sort of a minimal impact on on the parents once they get through the initial data. And we've seen that some some of the people who've signed up for the network. Uh, continue doing it for now more than a year uh, longitudinally. So that's telling us that once people get in, they seem to like it and find it helpful. That's great. Uh, what kind of time commitment would a parent expect if they signed up for this opportunity? The time commitment, again, is a little bit troublesome up front because it takes 15 to 20 minutes to do the demographics form and the detailed checklist. But then once they do that, it's just a matter of a few minutes each Sunday. Uh, so the time commitment uh, gets quite quite short. But the, the asset of this is that we're sending this uh, secure website information to parents so that they can really have a really good longitudinal readout um, because there's all this controversy about the diagnoses of these illnesses in children, particularly with bipolar, which can run an extremely fluctuating course. This gives you a picture of mania, depression, anxiety, all the rest. And what we're seeing is that many children have a complicated picture of their bipolar with lots of not only depression and mania, but also anxiety and oppositional behavior. And how to treat that 
is not well defined in the literature and um, often children are being treated with a fairly high number of medications and this seems to be necessary to get them stable. We're also seeing a lot of children who have a lot of symptoms and are on just a mood stabilizer and atypical and are not doing that well and they need other approaches. So that's another goal is to stimulate more intensive research of what are the options for the child who has a bit of treatment-resistant illness. Sure. Is there anything else about this project that you think is important for our audience to know? Um, I think I think it's I think it's an ideal project for parents who who want to have a proactive view of getting after childhood uh, difficulties if their if their child seems to have it because one of the things that's in the literature is that the offspring of a parent who has depression and the offspring of a parent who has a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, those offspring are at increased risk compared to the general population for uh, some of these illnesses. So if there's a parent with bipolar, the child has about a 20% risk, so only one in five children would get it. A lot more would actually get an anxiety disorder, or depressive disorder, ADHD, oppositional behavior, those kinds of things. So the notion that most of your DBSA members have either depression or bipolar or know someone who does, uh, this would be ideal because it helps identify this whole range of childhood illnesses, helps track it, and then may facilitate earlier recognition and treatment. So the, um, the issue is that there's a high incidence in um, parents' offspring who have these illnesses, but the other thing is that there have been several studies of the incidence of these illnesses just in the community controls who don't have depression or bipolar and almost 50% of those children in the community on long-term follow-up have some problem or another. So uh, these illnesses are fairly common in children and a little bit more common if, if the parents have the illness themselves. So it's like other illnesses where we recognize that they can run in families, and if so, um, it makes some sense that parents want to pay increased attention to the problems and get them treated earlier. Great, great, thank you. And earlier you had mentioned where someone could go if they wanted to learn more about the Child Network. I was hoping you could reiterate where they could go to find more information. Yeah, um, we've We've described it some, and we'll be describing the results in more detail in our regular newsletter, which is bipolarnews.org. 
and I would recommend that newsletter in general to anybody who is interested in reading more about the illness because I write this with the idea that um, anything new that I learn from meetings or abstracts I put in there about new treatments or side effects, whatever, so that often the information in the newsletter is a year ahead of what's uh, in the publication. So if they go to the newsletter, they'll be able to get general information. And then if they click on Child Network, they'll be able to get the informed consent, which describes it in a fair bit of detail. There's also um, several articles that, um, that are available um, that talk about the rationale for the Child Network. The most interesting, I think, is one that's in the, the, the Journal of Neuroscience and Biobehavioral Reviews. This year, it came out that describes the fact that there's much more childhood onset bipolar illness in the United States and in most European countries. And in that article, it uh, also refers to the child network as one of many ways that people could start to deal with this problem um, earlier and more effectively. Uh, if people wanted to get more information, they could also uh, email and request this directly from bipolarnews.org, and we could send them further articles as well. Wonderful. That's great. And I love the opportunity to share with our audience where they can get that information. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about the Child Network. I know I learned a lot, and I really appreciated the opportunity. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. The um, Depression Bipolar Support Alliance uh, does such a great job and with their peer counseling programs, uh, this would also be something that would be good for the peer counselors to uh, be aware of and recommend uh, to parents if their kids are struggling somewhat with some of these illnesses and hopefully um, head them off well. So uh, I'm, I'm very pleased that uh, we did have the opportunity to talk, and I thank you very much for the invitation. Yes, absolutely. And to everyone who's listening right now, thank you so much for taking the time. Please check out the resources that were listed in today's presentation. And we hope you'll join us again soon for another DBSA podcast. Be well.